Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, badass rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, Pat Hybin. Glad you were home. I'm always home. I'm on cool. Me too. You're doing great. Yeah. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. Is that my advice to you? And I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. Grab life big. Okay, go bros. I got Mr. Aaron West coming from sunny California today, and I'm excited for this interview. So in any event, Aaron, welcome to the GoBro room. Thank you very much, sir. Why don't you give a five-minute story of your life from the time you're born till today? All right. So uh, I was born in 1970. My dad was 19. My mom was 17. They were uh, fresh. My mom wasn't even out of high school yet, or she was just getting out of high school. Uh, oldest of six kids. So there's a uh, pretty big age difference between us. There were four close together. And then one, my little sister was born when I was 15. And then my little brother was born when I was almost 17. So Big family, learned responsibility at a young age. Growing up, you know, my we were pretty poor. A lot of memories that you don't think about or that just kind of get recessed when you start revisiting and, and thinking about that kind of stuff. You didn't, I, I never realized how poor we were. I mean, we had friends that I remember when I was probably 10, 10 or 12 years old that that took us to his warehouse where he worked and gave us all new shoes which we all just thought was the coolest thing but it was because my parents couldn't afford them and so they were reaching out to us and and giving us uh shoes and then i remember having a kerosene heater in our house for a lot of winters because we could heat the house cheaper on kerosene than we could with electricity and to us that was just normal but in in hindsight, it was it was pretty tight. My dad hunted, and we lived on deer in the the winter time. I, I mean, we always had a regular house and all that kind of stuff. But um, my dad was a, a, and and still is. I mean, my grandfather was too a, a good salesperson and always communicated and did really well with people. But he was also afraid of money. So whenever he would make money, it would be gone. Um, because of six kids, you know, there's always a place for, for the money to go. Uh, my mom is, is one of the coolest, coolest people on the face of the earth. She's got a, a ray of sunshine around her all the time when she was growing up. Uh, I mean, when we were growing up, we, we kept her on a pedestal and, you know, we, we had to because that's the only way we could keep my dad away from her. When my, when my brother was, when I, when my youngest brother was born at 17, my, my brother and I literally went to my dad and said, dad, this has got to stop. There's a reason this is happening and you just can't do it anymore. <laughs> what? And, have, uh, kids. And, have kids, have kids, do what you do to make kids, whatever, but don't have <laughs> any more kids. Hilarious. So, so that, that was 
childhood was great. I mean, grew up in a really loving family, lots of support. So, you know, all, all my brothers and I are pretty well, well-rounded, rounded people. Got out of high school, did a little bit of college, but not too much. Um, with my family, that was just never anything that was put in front of us. And, and so it just wasn't important. So I did a few classes and then basically just went into just the workforce. Um, worked for a company doing like screen printing and window tinting for a few years. And then went back to work for my dad and worked for him for four or five years. He had a, uh, and still does have a, a screen printing shop that does like t-shirts and hats and that kind of thing. And they were coming up on, on hard times. And so I, I moved back to the house and worked, worked with them for a few years. And then when I was 25, I was going to get married, not to my wife right now, but I had, I had gotten engaged. And one of the things about a family business is that family is the last one paid. And so I needed to get another job. So I applied at UPS and uh, a local jewelry store in, in Reno. We were living in Reno at the time. At the applied the same day and got accepted the same day. So I took both jobs and worked at UPS from three in the morning until eight, and then would run home, shower, change, eat breakfast, and be out the door in eight minutes and go to my regular job at, uh, at the jewelry store doing sales at the jewelry store. So went three years, I think with, uh, Christmas and, uh, like Christmas, Thanksgiving were the only days off that I had because the two industries were, you know, my days off were different from, from both of those, uh, didn't end up getting married, but, uh, started dating my wife in Reno and, uh, she was going to college at the time and got transferred down to Modesto in 1997. Uh, with the same jewelry company, so stopped working for uh, stopped working for UPS at that time, and just built a really successful business in the jewelry industry and a really successful career in the jewelry industry. I was uh, the top salesman. There was thirteen store chain, and I was the top salesman with them for five years. Uh, the last five years of of the business, and. Um, you know, and then in 2005, I really felt like there was nothing else for me to achieve in the, in the jewelry industry. I was doing some national training and uh, some sales training and that kind of stuff. And my father-in-law has been in real estate for ever since the seventies said, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, but you need to do real estate. And so I quit a job that I was making a $125,000 a year in 2005 and, and jumped into the the real estate world and uh, went to work for a local brokerage here in town that I, I still work for and had a couple of easy sales. And then of course the market turned and um, just fought my way through the, the, the lean years that I'm sure a lot of us felt from 07, 06, 07, 09, but really focused on just building a business uh, was still just sole proprietor, just the, the one-man shop, but, but built a really good business um, with that and got myself up to about 70 transactions a year for a couple of years, which was way too much work for one guy to do. And then, um, and then yeah, I uh, got married to my wife in 99, who is, if a, lot of, a lot of people have met her, some of the guys have met her, and she is an amazing person, super cool. And had two boys, Landon, who is almost 15 now, and Ewan, like Ewan McGregor, who is turning 13. So both of them are in like a week or having their birthdays. They're almost two years apart exactly. 
and uh, you know, got involved in GoBundance, I think in 2014 or 2015, I think in 2015 is when I joined GoBundance and really started building my wealth. Uh, I just kind of had fallen into it. I was from a fear mindset through my whole real estate career and the same way with money. And when the business finally did start going rather than going out and spending it, I knew I couldn't have it in a bank account. I just went out and started buying real estate. So got some, got some good deals at the front end that cash flowed pretty well. And that was really the start of, of my wealth building and my transformation from being a, a fear-based person to actually working towards something and, and making business decisions. Love oh, uh, Love I, I also do started doing triathlons in 2002 and, and, you know, and that's really been a passion of mine is, is triathlon. So I've done four Ironman or four Ironmans and I think I've done like 19 or 20 half Ironmans and then a bunch of, of other races as well. Incredible. Do you, do you have the Ironman tattoo? I did not do the Ironman tattoo. You know, I've been, I, I was fortunately around it long enough before I got into the Ironmans and all of the people that were really accomplished and that were athletes and that did it as their career and were world champions, none of them had the tattoo. And it was just, for them, it was one of those things that the one and doneers do the tattoo when they do it because right. it's their life accomplishment. But, yeah. you know, so I, I never really had had the desire to get the, the Iron Man tattoo. <laughs> That's funny. You know, I knew a guy that had a huge 13.1 on him uh, because he accomplished a half marathon. And, um, you know, as someone who used to do a lot of marathons myself, I always thought, who would do that? Uh, but then I see, uh, then I see guys with the Iron Man, and if you guys haven't seen, it, it's a like an I and an it's like an M basically with a dot over the middle of the M of the middle part of the M, so it looks like I M. But I could see if you you know massively trained for it, how you, one might get one. Oh, I told, I can, I agree a hundred percent. You know, it, it is a big accomplishment and even a half marathon for a lot of people is their one and done. And right. They're huge accomplishments. They shouldn't judge, and, and, you know, I mean, people, everybody has their, their goals in life. And, and, you know, his goal may have been just to complete a half marathon because he, you know, no one he knew even had run more than a couple miles, you know? Exactly. You know, so, so I, I have no problem with guys going out and getting them and, you know, wish them all the best. And, but that's, that's not my world. I gotcha. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about that later when we get into health, but let's start in some nitty gritty here. Um, what percentager are you, Aaron? You know, I'm about a 17 percenter right now. I have mortgages on most of my properties. A lot of them are within 15 years of being paid off. So as those come due and become paid off, then I will, I'll be a hundred percent plus. Yeah. I, I kind of made sure the decision that I wasn't trying to be out as, as profit. You know, I mean, I don't know if you're counting that, but yes. principal pay down. Yeah. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. You know, and, and principal pay down, I, I haven't, I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Cause it's for savings. So yeah, that's. A, I will have to uh, make adjustments on the on my numbers then a little bit. So it's it's going to be a little bit higher than that. And then, okay, so what's your net worth? 
Uh, right now, I, it's about 1.85. And okay. when I started with GoBundance, I was just under a million. So in two, little over two and a half years, I've, I've not quite doubled, but hopefully by January, February of this year, I'll be at two. And is most of that in real estate or stock market or what do you like? No, most of it is real estate. And, uh, you know, the, the numbers are probably a little bit different. I, I go typically off of what the value is when I purchase it. I don't make a lot of adjustments in the value of the property as they appreciate because, you know, that can go away. And so I'm trying to keep it at, at, at as close to real numbers as I can. Okay. And so what is your horizontal income and what is your vertical income? So my vertical income last year was uh, 220, um, and that's after business, after after everything. And yep. my horizontal last year, I think, was 36. But I've bought three properties already this year, and wow. I'm going into escrow on a triplex to hopefully today. Fun stuff. And and so, what is your LTI? You're left to invest. You know, I actually leave, lead a pretty lean life. Um, we, we're on a budget, and so I usually end up with about 140 or 150 to invest uh, a year pretty easily. Um, and that's where, that's where, of course, I'm that's you know, awesome. purchasing the homes That's from. very good, dude. That's very good at, at a 250, 260 income I mean, that's like 55%. I mean, a lot of people make a million dollars and don't have an LTI of 140,000. So, you know, you should be proud of that. That's, that's pretty phenomenal. What, what about LHI? What do you got there? With LHI? Life happiness. <laughs> oh, my life happiness index? Oh, uh, you know, I am, uh, I, have to, I have to look at that. Gosh, I, I didn't look at that. I was at, where is that? Uh, 7.48. All right. That's not bad. Which what what's bringing you down? Do you think? Uh, you know, for horizontal income, I I gave myself a, a four yeah. on that. So that okay. that brought me down. Chill time has has brought me down a little bit. Uh, dollar productive activities has brought me down. I'm pretty hard on myself when it comes to my dollar dollar productive activities. So I mm. gave myself a four on that. Okay. Yeah. You know, I think that realistically, if once you reach up. Uh, a hundred percent. Once you become a hundred percenter, you're really still only still only in you know everybody's mind is different. A six. I mean, it's kind of like the triathlon, right? That's not like it's not like oh one and done, right? You, you can't just rest. I mean, because things are going to come up. You know, you're going to have weddings and uh, to pay for, and college to pay for, and trips to pay for. You know what I mean? So in life and. So if you become a hundred percent or yeah, you could, you could have all your bills paid, but then come time to, to have like a, something big paid, you're not going to have the cash. So you really should give yourself like a six and really wouldn't get up till like nine or 10 until you're three, 400 percent or, you know? Yeah. Well then, then, then that's, I, I agree with that. Yeah. I, I, and I'm not even close to that yet. So, so yeah. I got a little ways to go. I'm working. So, um, what about your giving ratio? So, if you if you gave if you made two sixty and you gave twenty six hundred, your giving ratio is one percent. Does that make sense? Yes. What would you say yours is? Um, we gave about twenty one thousand last year. Very good. And, and 
and that's you know that that came out of the business side of it so you know but mm. that's still that's yeah, still giving still in counts. i'm on i'm yeah, on so, so probably on the, like seven and a half percent yes which is which is and I'm on the board for the boys and girls um and i'm on the board for board for the boys and girls club and do a bunch of stuff for them and i'm in rotary and and some other stuff too so giving back has has become a lot more important as the business has matured yeah. So, so uh, what, uh, what some of the brothers are doing is they're taking, uh, figuring out what their hourly rate is and then adding the volunteer hours on top based on that hourly rate. And I bet you would find that you'd probably be 10% or more once you did that with your boys and girls club hours and stuff like that. I would be because the, some of the events that I do for a couple of months are, it's a, it's a lot of work getting some of the stuff planned because I share a couple of events. What do you guys do with events. Boys and Girls Club? I've never really gotten into that. Um, like you have activities for underprivileged kids or how does that work? You know, what they typically do is they go into the lowest socioeconomic areas in any given town and they create safe places for the kids to go after school and in the summertime to keep them out of trouble. And, and so a lot of what we do with the fundraising is so that we can continue to grow those because in pretty much every big town, there's so much more need than there are options for the kids. And so, you know, Modesto, we've spent uh, the last few years and put in, I think four new sites, at the elementary schools and then freestanding sites where kids and young adults can go to get some outside influence that is not the gangbangers and the drug dealers and all that kind of stuff and, and hopefully put them in a place where they can be contributors instead of takers. I love it. And so a lot, so we do, um, you know, I'm getting ready to, well, actually I've started on already, but we do a, a haunted museum where, uh, we take one of the local museums and we put together this whole 30 minute walkthrough where the kids walk through and we've got all these different characters and all these different things that, that happen. And we charge a couple of dollars for, for each one. And then all the kids that are members or that come to the boys and girls club can come through for free. And we end up raising like 25 or $30,000 for the boys and girls club, but we'll have four or 5,000 kids go through it in like a, five or six day period so it's pretty it's pretty cool yeah yeah that's awesome i love that okay all right so let's let's get into some goals like what where do you want to be in 10 years aaron 10 years from now i i love what i do so i don't see myself changing from real estate i'd like to get the business to the point where i can be involved as much as i want to be not as much as i would ha have to be now Mm. And I want a, a, a home in Kona, Hawaii, so that we have a place to go. And uh, that's, that's our special place. That island is a, is a pretty cool island. You know, be able to have raised two boys that are well-adjusted adults that are, you know, entrepreneurs, hopefully, and if not, contributors to the society, whatever it is that they decide they want to do to be successful, be an integral part in helping them make that happen. Uh, of course, be a hundred percenter in 10 years. I, I, I feel like on the trajectory that we're in, even though, you know, invariably there's going to be a, a shift in some kind of turn in, in the economy because it always happens, but be prepared for it and have the relationships with all of you guys that are out there to where when that, when that happens, that 
you know, the, the real opportunities that show up when they, they are there get taken advantage of as well. And just, you know, I'll be 57 in 10 years. And so I want to be in a place that I can go where I want to go, do what I want to do, work as hard as I want to work and live the life that I want and be happy with it. So how, how much is a nice house on the water or how much is a nice house how you want it in Kona? <laughs> That's the right question because I don't know that I want a house on the water in Kona. I mean, I would, but you yeah. know, probably eight, eight or nine hundred thousand dollars would be a nice place in Kona that we could go and enjoy. Okay, my wife's sister and uh, her family live there, and uh, so we went out there about two years ago and spent like ten days. And actually, the try—I guess it was the half try because it was like a practice. They have a, pra- a kind of a half, and then they have the. And they have the full later on, but was was going on, and and my nephew and I went down and spent the day watching it. It was pretty cool. Yeah, actually, uh, I think we're going to be doing that this year. It's the the seventy point three uh, half Ironman in in Hawaii, which is on Kona. It does a lot of the same course that uh, the Ironman, the the World Championships are on. So it's on the the queen k highway and you you run through a a part of where the the race is and it is it is a it's tough man it's a hot humid day and people don't realize how hard it is but yeah that's a that's a great race i've had a lot of friends that have done it yeah we hung out at the finish line it was fun to watch man (laughs) there's some beat up people (laughs) man you get all ranges but you know it's it's one of the great things about the, the Ironman, and I know we're tangenting a little bit, is that there are so few places left um, in our society where you really get to test your mettle and you really get to see how you're going to do when you go to a dark place. And, uh, you know, I think that's one of the appeals that, that, that Hawaii and Kona and the Ironman has for so many people and, and the halves. Cause yeah, you got, you can dig pretty deep. You'd be surprised. Yeah. And, um, and, and so Aaron was responsible uh, with, I think Dan Grebe and some other people for the Utah Ironman, uh, which Daniel Del Real talked about on his interview, which many of you guys may have heard. And we're in the talks with them now about, you know, putting together regular races, there's, there's, there's something very interesting happening at GoBundance. I always feel like, because I'm on the approval committee, I, you know, I see all the applications as they come through. Once they, the, the process is when someone fills out an application online, they, you know, it goes to a bad asador who then qualifies them, make sure they're a millionaire, make sure they're worthy. Um, now there's a big process if they're a real estate agent because we really don't want any more real estate agents just to diversify the crowd a little bit. Um, so it goes through this huge process and then it comes to a committee of about five people and I'm on that committee. And of the last six people who were approved, four out of six <laughs> were triathletes. And I don't know if that was a coincidence or what, if they knew each other. All I see is their application and the badass or recommendation. And I'm like, all right, well, we need to, you know, age-defying health pillar is becoming as strong as the financial pillar. Like everybody in GoBundance wants to make horizontal income. I think that's kind of the, our, our base pillar where it kind of all started and everybody's interested in that. But 
age-defying health has kind of risen past all the other ones, um, in my opinion, and uh, become a big attractor to members of GoBundance. So I was talking with Mike McCarthy and I said, hey, you know, let's ask Aaron and, and Dan if they want to get involved and start planning some races. So anybody listening, we, we're going to have some, you know, really cool stuff coming up next year and the years to follow that are all GoBundance sponsored and organized and really cool. So, uh, so stay tuned for that. So tell me what you guys did in Utah, uh, just to give everybody uh, an idea of, of what happened there. Well, it was, it was a pretty special event. You know, Dan Grieve and uh, myself and a couple of other people um, kind of coordinated. Dan took care of the chef. We had someone uh, get a couple of houses right next door to each other. So I think we ended up with about 20 people. A good portion of them were GoBundance guys. Saul Z, um, there's there's a bunch of guys there that came and were doing their first one. And, and, and some of the guys, um, by the way, joined after that. Some of the guys joined after that. So I was yeah. going to talk about that too. <laughs> they was that, that, uh, that when they when you when you get around a group of GoBundance guys, it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty compelling magnet to, to draw you to go abundant. So, you know, we had a, our own personal chef there. So when everybody showed up, they basically had meals prepared for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We got to spend three, three days before of really just hanging out and doing some training, doing some swims, doing some bikes, and, uh, you know, just, just getting to know a lot of uh, everybody together. We had organized and uh, purchased. Everybody had a GoBundance kit, so we put together some really sweet GoBundance kits that we all wore on the the race course, so that when you were in that dark place and when you were running and you look up and you see someone coming the other direction that was wearing the same kit, it really does give you a a, a really good boost. And it was awesome to see everybody that started the race finished it, so everybody took it seriously. And, uh, cause it was the, 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 the event in, it was not an easy event. There was a, a lot of climbing. It was hot. It was windy. And, uh, they all just manned up and, and finished. And then, you know, afterwards we all had a great, great evening where everybody just hung out and drank some booze and, and, uh, just, uh, wallowed in their success of, of such an amazing life changing event that it was for a lot of people. Because like I said, you know, uh, for some of them, they'd never tested themselves physically before. Aaron Amuchastegui, um, you know, he, he was there and he'd never really done anything like that. And so seeing, seeing the transformation that these people, that, that all these guys made and some of their wives made to get to that point was, dude, it was like someone becoming a millionaire. It was really cool. Yeah, every story that I heard about it, and I heard several, was just, uh, you know, there was an amazing event. So we're going to try to, we are going to recreate that uh, for everybody listening. All right, cool. So let's talk about your health. So how much do you weigh, Aaron? I weigh 162. Okay, and what's your problem? Uh, at 162, I am at 10.7, 10.8. Wow. And how do you measure that? Uh, we actually, Daniel Delreal, Daniel lives in Modesto and is uh, one of my best friends. And so we actually have a dunk take come out every few months and uh, I pay for my guys and he pays for his and, and we all get dunked at the same time to, to find out what our body fat is. 
And that's is that the bod pod? Uh, basically, yeah. It's just you know they've got the steel, the stainless steel tank full of warm water, and you go underneath and hold on, and then exhale as much as you can until all your air's out, and then they weigh that, and then they they do their calculations to to figure out what your body fat is. That's awesome. I I, I got to do that because everything I do, you know, tells a different number. So. Yeah, it's, it's the most accurate way. And so as I was getting ready, I, I just did a uh, challenge Roth, which is an iron Ironman in Germany and leading up to that race, it was as the weight came down, the, the body fat, fat percentage came down exactly how they said it would. Hmm. So I got, that was pretty skinny for the race. Wow. All right, cool. So, all right. So let's see, what, what about your diet? What's your diet like? Uh, you know, we eat pretty much just a lot of whole foods. I've kind of gotten into making a, a vegetable shake with the. I've uh, committed with my GoPod to do that four days a week, and it literally is just a little bit of fruit, uh, some protein powder, and like half a pound of you know super vegetables: kale, spinach, uh, celery, carrots, just whatever we have in the fridge, and it basically fills up the whole Vitamix. And so I'll drink half of it in the morning and then I put it into a uh, stainless steel thermos basically. And then that's usually what I drink all the way through lunch. And then I'll have a snack in the afternoon and then my wife will make us a, you know, a good dinner. That's awesome. And uh, do you know what your GB9 score is? You know what? I, I know because with what I do with the endurance sports, it's, almost the polar opposite of everything that that gb9 does <laughs> so my training my training is like totally different than all of it i'm i am long distance aerobic low intensity uh, linear intensity yeah and and the gb9 so and and re- every time i've gone you guys have done the gb9 i've either had an injury or a race coming up in like two weeks so i'm like ah forget that i know i'm fit <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> all right so let's talk about some future greatest hits and some past greatest hits you know every rock and roll star has a greatest hits album what would you say are uh, you know on your greatest hits album you know my greatest hits album one of them was this summer i took my family my wife and two boys and we went to Germany for 16 days and I did a, an Ironman called Challenge Roth which has been on my bucket list since basically 2007 when I started when I started doing triathlons there's the Germans are crazy they've got there was between 250 200 to 250,000 people come out to watch this race so it's like a professional sporting event there's one hill that there's 30,000 people on this hill cheering you as you go up the hill that was amazing and so that was one of my life events, I went to Africa for a month before my wife and I got married and we climbed Kilimanjaro and went scuba diving off Zanzibar. And, and that was another life. How many different countries that, did you go to within Africa? Uh, we went to Kenya, Tanzania, Zanzibar, and then we just dipped into another country for like a day. I can't even remember which one it was. Yeah, there, is Zanzibar so we, even a country though? They consider it a country themselves, so you've okay. got to get a. Uh, you have to get stamped. You've got to get. Uh, you've got to get approval from the country before you pull in. So it's not technically, I don't think, a country, it's but weird like they treat it. I know we're getting ready to leave for South Africa and Zimbabwe, and then one of the 
travel agent people was like, oh, yeah, in Zambia. And I'm like, wait a minute, is Zambia even a country? <laughs> well, I'm sure they probably think it is when you get there. <laughs> All right, what else you got? <laughs> you know, it, it, it really one of the my, my biggest things I'm most proud of, and, and we talked about this on a, on a podcast before, was in 2007 when the market was tanking and we sold our dream house to be able to continue building my business instead of getting caught up in the train wreck that, that was coming. And that was really the turning point in my life where I, I made my first business decision really ever. Uh, everything else had been, you know, just kind of haphazard. And we really sat down and looked at numbers and looked at our life and looked at where we wanted to be and then and drank a lot of wine. I cannot lie. There was a lot of wine drank during that time because you don't feel like a man when you're selling your dream house. And uh, wow. so we, we sold our dream house. I, I literally walked away with $1,200 is what I netted after the sale of the house because the market was just taking a dive. But really that's, that's one of the proudest moments of, it was, it was a horrible moment at the time, but it really started to change the metal in me and change my outlook on life and business and building wealth and making sound business decisions. So that, that would be one of the top, top things that I did I've done in my life. That's awesome. What what do you got on your future uh, bucket list items or greatest hits? What do, what do you see there? Oh, you know, you and I were just talking about this. Swimming with great white is definitely one of them. Uh, owning a home in Kona, watching my boys get married is is a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to go. I've always wanted to summit Everest. That's uh, one of my bucket lists, and my wife won't let me do it because it's too dangerous. But going to the base camp of Everest is something that I think will let me do um and then i i'd love to get to you know that uh, 10 million dollar network where worth where you are that six or seven hundred percenter awesome those are all quite good bucket list items and and uh, future greatest hits for sure so definitely keep those on the list well aaron this has been a blast buddy i really appreciate you taking time on your busy day today and uh jumping on the call and uh, i look forward to uh Seeing you uh, out in Steamboat. All right. I'm looking forward to it as well. I look forward to seeing all you guys out there. Grab life big. <laughs>